just a note before we begin. This episode is part of a string of four episodes, all recorded at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, which I intended to get done and out at the time, only to see them repeatedly fall by the wayside. Thanks to a suddenly free evening, I've put them all together for your listening pleasure. Hope you enjoy, despite their massive lateness. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear something which is regularly updated, check out my current podcast, the horror news show, The Carnage Report, with Julie Holland, via the Cinepunks Podcast Network, wherever you listen. We're on Twitter and Insta at Report Carnage as well. Now, here's the show. Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with the group Voyager 3 about their score for Vinegar Syndrome's recent release, New York Ninja. Detroit's Voyager 3 features keyboardist Steve Green, guitarist Aaron Green, and drummer Greg Maston. Inspired by the soundtracks to vintage horror, action, and sci-fi films, the trio creates experimental rock that owes a debt to pioneers like John Carpenter and shares a kinship with bands such as Trans Am, Teeth of the Sea, and Zombie. Originally directed by and starring martial arts actor John Liu, The Secret Rivals, in his only American production, New York Ninja was filmed entirely on 35mm in 1984, but the project was abandoned during production, resulting in all original sound materials being lost over time. 35 years later, Vinegar Syndrome acquired the original unedited camera negative and painstakingly constructed and completed the film with the voice talents of genre favorites, Don the Dragon Wilson, Linnea Quigley, Michael Berryman, Ginger Lynn Allen, and Cynthia Rothrock with a score by Voyager 3. I spoke by phone with all three members of Voyager 3 about New York Ninja, the band's history, and more. Well, uh, thank you guys for taking time to do this. I'm talking with Steve, Greg, and Aaron from Voyager. Um, could you all each introduce yourself and uh, say what you do in the group? All right. I'm Aaron. I play guitar in Voyager 3. Yeah. I sing one song. That's it. <laughs> My name is uh, Steve Green, and I play all the synthesizers keyboards and my name is greg maston and i play drums percussion electronic drums anything <laughs> drum related i suppose <laughs> so 
you've been a band for nearly uh, 10 years now, having started in early 2013. And, I mean, over the years, you've recorded albums and singles and everything. And, I mean, you contributed to the soundtrack to Rise of the Synths, but... Am I correct in thinking that the New York Ninja is your first feature-length score? That's true. That's correct. Our, our stuff, yeah. We've been uh, used in some short films, uh, some Michigan short films and other uh, Toronto uh, stuff. Uh, we were in uh, Portal to Hell, which was Rowdy Roddy Piper's last movie. Um, but with those with those projects, they were taking music we had already done and using it uh, in their in their film, and um, kind of dropping it in to a perfect spot where it fit. But this was our first time doing an actual soundtrack from the ground up, scoring it like, you know, like all of our heroes from from uh, growing up, John Williams and and uh, Evangelist and everybody else, you know. It's a very interesting thing, the film New York Ninja. For those who have not seen it, uh, it is a movie that was lost and unfinished. And when they say unfinished, like there wasn't a script or dialogue. It was all just footage that they had to put together. How early did you come into the, the process of this film with the folks at Vinegar Syndrome? Uh, I would say that uh, it was um, after the, the locked cut was created, but nothing else. So uh, Curtis Spieler was the was the guy from Vinegar Syndrome who kind of spearheaded this whole thing and uh, took it upon himself to edit it from all those reels, a palette full of reels uh, of every single take that they did for the whole film. Um, so he put it together. Uh, first, he went by the slates, uh, you know, the clapboard at the beginning of every um, take uh, has information written on there of shot number, scene number, all this sort of thing. So he put it together from that. Uh, and then what he quickly found out, and he said this in interviews before too, is that it didn't make any sense when he did it that way. <laughs> so he took it upon himself then to just say, you know, it's not going to work this way. Let's Let's just make a film out of this footage based upon what we can see on screen and any amount of dialogue that we can make out from the lips moving. Cause there's absolutely no audio. Um, so that's what he did. He, he, he put it together kind of just common sense wise. And then where you run out of uh, direction after that, then he kind of then wrote new stuff to make it fit what you're seeing on film. And, you know, I'm sure there was give and take and push and pull round and round with, you know, himself trying to figure this out right uh, you know for some amount of time but he finally did a final cut of it and that's when we came in um so we scored it to absolutely no sound whatsoever it was just picture uh final uh locked cut edit picture only uh and then after we turned in our score um that's when it went out uh production house that did all of the foley and uh mixing and all that kind of stuff so they did remote sessions with all the different voice actors all around the country because it was during pretty much the thick of covid so <laughs> most states and countries were locked down uh to various degrees so you know you really couldn't go to a studio per se uh 
and or, or or bring everybody in, for example, to a single studio and have them all do the the reading. It had to happen in their individual cities that they lived in, like whatever the closest pro studio was. Uh, they did they did it that way. As a matter of fact, too, Michael Berryman said in the in the interview that he actually recorded all of, all of the plutonium killer parts from his house, so he must have some kind of a you know pseudo studio <laughs> set up in his house to do voiceover work. I'm assuming type of thing. Um, so he did he did it from the comfort of his house. That was cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then then much mm-hmm. later, obviously we saw everything come together. Uh, and, and, and be mixed together, and it was incredible to see that transformation, for sure. Now, your previous releases, be it um, something like Doom Fortress or Are You Synthetic or War Mask, have elements of soundtrack and tell stories uh, through the, the music, but like what... What was it like getting to stretch your muscles to record a soundtrack for a film that actually does exist? We were we've been preparing for this our whole life. Greg Greg can tell you. Um, yeah, go ahead, Greg. You 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 tell him. Yeah, I was a, well. I mean, just like you said, you know, Aaron, Steve, and I have, have this isn't our first rodeo. Like we've been in bands together since the early now and even in those bands which were different genre wise there was always a lean into movie soundtracks like we always like i dug up an interview that we did when aaron and i were both going to wayne state with the with the wayne state paper and even though that band was more of a, a hard rock almost heavy metal genre style we were busy talking about how we think you know it ties into movie soundtracks (laughs) so i mean even all the way back then we were talking about how what we do sort of ties into to our love for film you know so when aaron says yeah you know this is sort of what we've been preparing for our whole lives it, it really is the culmination of however many years of waiting to get the opportunity to do something exactly like New York Ninja. I mean, so Steve sort of pitched the idea of Voyager three and, you know, to me first, I believe, and, and said, Hey, I want to do this synthy, you know, soundtracky, no vocals, you know, we're just going to kind of like make music for movies that don't exist. You know, would you be into doing that? And I, of course was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, we've been toying around with doing movie soundtracks stuff for so long let's just go all in right let's just do it and make it sound like it could just go right into a movie that exists in our mind you know so then Aaron came in shortly after that and and ever since the goal of this band has been to eventually get to a point where we score an actual film now like Aaron said you know we did portal to hell and that was that was sort of our first taste of it and we uh we can't think uh, Viv enough for that opportunity because that was the first time I saw a shot of an audience um, when our music hit on that credit, you know, when it switches to the credits, our music hit and the audience started like clapping and cheering. That's the first taste of that I ever got. (laughs) And to me, like that was like so exciting. And I was like, 
whatever that rush was that I got from watching that, that we need more of that. Right. So, um, you know, you yeah. know, f- fast forward a couple of years and here we are with New York Ninja and got to do it from the ground up, uh, albeit during a, a pandemic and, uh, without any voice or script. And, you know, we had a, we had a printed script, but you know, we had to basically build it from the ground up. So it was like, a perfect storm, like perfect storm of opportunity for us. You know, we were prepared when we got the offer and that's, that's exactly how it went down. I have to imagine. Yeah, and now we, we were able to, uh, shift our goal now. Uh, like how do they say, uh, hashtag goals now, instead of our goal to, uh, score a, a feature length film. Now our goal is to score a second feature length film. Hey, how about that? <laughs> exactly. Now, I have to imagine, like, it's it's a unique prospect scoring a film where they're, you, you're not sort of beholden to dialogue on screen when you're watching it. Like, you're essentially kind of scoring a silent film, which, uh, like, that's a very interesting way to, to jump into it because, like, you know, silent films are almost always, like, like the music is the emotional through line because there's you're you're reading the dialogue which is almost like what you all were having to do um like did it give you did you feel like you had a little bit more freedom there i think so i think that i when we do another movie i kind of think we should uh do it without sound i mean i'm sure that if we get another movie sent to us it will have sound but i think maybe we should like turn that off because you're exactly right. I think it freed us up to um, really explore everything without any kind of shackles. Now, what we did do is when we saw lips moving, we, we would back it down or we would stop the, the music or pause because we didn't want to trample on any dialogue. But New York Ninja happens to be almost all fighting and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. action. So it was really, it was really tailor made for us because we're like, well, we're going to, if there's a fight, we're going to be having, a, you know, we're going to have a music in, behind this fight. Um, and we just got to do that over and over again. So, but I think um, not having dial and, and, and we had the script, but we didn't, you know, we didn't have any sound of course, to kind of um, shape how we, how we thought the scene would go. Um, and we're just going by, by feel, by tone, by um, the the face the, the faces people are making and the actions on screen, and I think it kind of uh, I think that might be that might be the way to do it next time because uh, I think it worked out really well. Um, like you said with the silent movie, the music is all you get. So we really wanted to paint the picture, and I think that kind of helped us in a in a weird wonky way that we weren't expecting. But that might be the way we do it from now on. So the yeah, that's a very good point. That was something that uh, I kept in mind when I was kind of doing some of the like uh, kind of blueprints or foundation demos over it um, is when I did see that there was obvious dialogue, the the tendency would be to um, just how Aaron was saying, kind of pull it back a little bit, you know, not have a completely rocking part, obviously when they're talking, you know, so it would be like a sustained note or trailing off, you know, piece that kind of hangs and, and fades out over the, over that type of thing. So that was always kept in mind, but I do agree that 
without having any uh, any information to inform you on uh, what was already there or what quote unquote somebody thought was supposed to be there, it, it really was uh, freeing because any timbres or colors or anything that you wanted to choose to put there, um, nothing else was telling you, hey, you know, he sounds a little, you know, extra mad right now, for example, or whatever the case may be in, in that scene. So that would inform you some degree of what to choose to write or a sound or a, or a feel to put there, but there was none of that. So yeah, it was very, very open. Watching the film with your all soundtrack as part of it, like, I mean, it stands out. Like, getting to do like an 80s action score uh, seems like, based on your past work, it fits in perfectly, but it also seems like it's it's a, a, a bit of, uh, like, a it's something different. It's something new. It's not like, you know, um, horror or sci-fi uh, rooted uh, quite as much. I mean, little sci-fi with the plutonium killer. Um, but like, was, was that part of the fun of getting to do this was just being like getting to do something that's, uh, you know, a la, you know, um, blood sport or kickboxer or something like that. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this for me at, at least, and I'm sure the guys would agree that, uh, the, the cosmos kind of just opened up and like, you know, handed us a gift, if you will, because um, all of us are the age that we watched almost all of the original 80s films of any genre and loved them all and probably have the Blu-ray or DVDs of some of them or all of them or the soundtracks to some of them or all of them. So Same. that's our wheelhouse, absolute wheelhouse. Yeah. So, you know, the odds are... It, you know, in a parallel universe, if you will, we started Voyager three. We wanted to score films. Cool. And a film comes up the odds of it being something literally from that era that happened to be lost and, <laughs> and survive and then come to us. Like the one band that I would say is, you know, the, the very hungry for something like this. I mean, it probably would have been that we would have scored something that was, made now and meant to feel like it was made in 1984. And that's fine too. You know, if somebody emails us or calls us next week and says, Hey, we have this, you know, 80s spoof film, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean spoof as a negative either. I mean, like this is trying to go for that feel like a turbo kit, for example. <laughs> um, we, we, we'd say, yep. And score the hell out of it. But that being said though, we actually got this, uh, film that's literally from the era it survived obscurity and, and not being finished. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like to me from the different interviews that people said, uh, and, and I've heard and read about that. This film was, uh, attempted to be thrown away more than one time. Um, <laughs> so it survived, man. And we got it. And it was from the era that we love the most. I mean, we'll score a modern film too. And we'll, we'll, we'll make it sound however it needs to sound. It doesn't have to be eighties or synth wavy or fill in the blank buzzword of the uh, of now but but our, our our love and passion probably for you know mostly is this kind of film um so holy moly i can't believe it and and we got it and we and we did as good a job as we could and the response has been 
really, really cool so far. So we're just super thankful and also like an amazement, really. <laughs> the one thing I love about your band is that like your bio mentions, you know, all of the bands by which you're influenced and, you know, John Carpenter and Zombie and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of like modern instrumental bands don't like touch on Trans Am enough. Like I, I feel like that's their very foundational, even if people don't think they are. So I just wanted to like, that's neither here nor there. It's just something I wanted to mention and thank you all for like bringing a, a little bit more uh, acknowledgement to like sort of like their contribution to modern instrumental rock and roll. Yeah, I Absolutely. have an album by them, and uh, I don't even remember what it's called, but I just love the way the guitar player uses delay. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, he he was informed by the edge a, a, as a young kid, but then took it in his own direction. Kind of is the vibe I get from it. It's just it. It's I, I love the fact that like it almost feels like everything in that band is percussion. Um, now. This album, uh, oh, you know what? I might be thinking of Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that n- now that I think about it, um, I'm not sure. I have to review that. Never mind. <laughs> uh, so the 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 score for New York Ninja is getting uh, like it's out now digitally and uh, also like on a variety of different cassette formats, but it's also available on vinyl through uh, Vinegar Syndrome and Mondo. Like, uh, I always I it always seems to me like when I talk to musicians who have music that is released by Mondo, it seems to be like almost the height of like, uh, like a compliment. It's just like, well, Mondo wants to put out the music that we're doing. So we must be doing something right. Is that the case for you all? I think I better answer this one because (laughs) I think out of the three of us, I was the one that kept like, you know, it's actually kind of shameful how excited I was about it because I kept, you know, I buy so many Mondo, Death Waltz, Waxwork, like, um, releases of, of soundtracks to movies that I love. Um, when Steve sort of, lobbed, you know, lobbed it out there, he's like, yeah, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be released by Mondo and Death Waltz. I, I like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well... You know, and I was being total like I would only send these texts to Aaron and Steve, but I was like just giddy. <laughs> I was like, well, we're big time now, right? I mean, I, I can go ahead and say we just hit the big time because to me, right. their releases are always just beautiful, right? The packaging, the artwork, the way they, you know, the the weight of the vinyl, everything that comes in a Mondo Deathwalt package is immaculate, and it is. And you're right, it is. It, they're like it's the top of the hill for the, the kind of stuff that we do. I think, you know, I mean, there are other labels that do equally great work, but for us, for, you know, get, to get back to what Steve said about the stars aligning, not only did we get to do this awesome movie from, uh, from a generation that we grew up in, that's, I mean, that's number one, but then to get it released on Mondo death Waltz, that's just like icing on the cake. I remember we were in LA, I think, yeah, it was LA and uh, we were sitting in the hotel lobby eating Taco Bell, like a bunch of rich <laughs> rock stars. And, and uh, Steve was getting some of the information about the variants for the vinyl. 
And I just, I, 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 I just couldn't get over it. <laughs> like I can't, I cannot believe that we're looking at, you know, the mock-ups of the Mondo death Waltz release for this. So yeah, you're, it's, you're absolutely right. I, I can die happy. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's fantastic. So, uh, this is out and people are getting like their copies of the Blu-ray and the score and all of that. So, you know, like my, of course, my, my next question has to be, uh, what are you all working on now? Well, we're, um, we always want to keep moving and, and never rest. So we're already working on new stuff. Uh, we're throwing around ideas. Steve sent some demos and we're, we're getting to work on that and adding our parts and figuring out arrangements and everything. And, um, we're going to be playing again. We, we only played one show since the pandemic hit. And that was back in November, uh, with twisted, uh, at St. Andrews hall. And now we're going to be playing this summer too. Um, you know, you have to kind of ride this wave of <laughs> is COVID bad, uh, this month. Is it, is it, is it ebbed a little bit? Is it, are we looking like we might be able to go outside again or whatever, like um, this organic, uh, ever-changing COVID roller coaster? So we're going to be playing um, in July uh, and a few shows in July, just over the summer for sure. And uh, definitely getting more ideas together and getting that getting that ball rolling again. Well, you know, the way that my mind works is <clears throat> I always kind of want to be going to the next thing. So I'm, I'm definitely, um, in the headspace of starting to come up with new riffs and parts and, and arrangements and stuff like that. I, I want to get another record ready as soon as possible. And, uh, that's always the fun part to me is creating. Yeah. Right. That wave, Steve, Absolutely. Aaron, Greg, I want to thank you all for taking time out of your Sunday to talk to me. This has been a whole lot of fun. Uh, I I hope more people out there will check out um, your score for uh, New York Ninja, as well as your previous releases. Um, we'll link to all of that uh, in the show notes for this episode. And again, I want to thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me, and I hope you all have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks to Voyager 3 for speaking with me. You can find the group's work on Twitter and Instagram at Voyager 3 Band, on Facebook at Voyager 3, and their website is Voyager3.com, as well as Voyager3.bandcamp.com, all of which are spelled V-O-Y-A-G-3-R. You can purchase New York Ninja on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome at VinegarSyndrome.com. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at FromAnInspiredBy.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod and can be found on Instagram at From an Inspired By.
You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. On the next episode, we're talking about the music for HBO Max's smash DCEU series, Peacemaker, with composer Kevin Kiner. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>